Hi, friends, it's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles. And welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedar sinai for 31 years. That's a long time. 15,000 surgeries. Can you imagine? My guest at 815 is Teo Alfaro. And he's a most unusual guest. He runs a program using a pack of wolves as therapy for people who've had a tough life. Domestic abuse, drug addiction, all kinds of dysfunction that can happen to us as human beings. And by living with and seeing the wolf pack that he raises, I think he's got 30 wolves. He's able to rehabilitate a lot of people. It's a fascinating story and it's just, I'm so excited to talk to him. But it made me think all week about the power of a family. In essence, that's what he's using, only it's a family of wolves. So you know how much I love the world of art, the world of sports, the world of surgery. And I believe that they're all the same. You just have to find the dots to connect. Where do we see the story of the family in art, in sports, in surgery? It's strength and its weakness, particularly sibling rivalry. You can only imagine these wolves want to bite each other, but then they need to go hunt and they then need to act as a team. They may compete amongst each other, but when the business time comes where everybody's got to get fed, they got to act as a wolf pack. So where in art, where in sports, where in surgery, do you see that? Well, in my lifetime, I found it fascinating to look in music at Sly and the Family Stone. The parents had five children. Sylvester, better known as Sly, was the second of this group, but he was a prodigy. He could play any instrument. He could write any song. Sly Stone is amazing. But it was his older brother, Freddie, who started the band, who brought him in. I'm not going to call it sibling rivalry. But after their successes, the whole thing blew up. The pressure on poor Sly Stone was too much. And you're going to hear some great sound bites and interviews of his genius. And it really is not a term to use lightly. He is a musical genius. He was Prince before there was Prince but the whole thing fell apart. Why did it fall apart? And we'll get into that. The whole idea of the weakness in a sibling rivalry. And what about in sports? Playing for the San Diego Chargers, who's one of the greatest defensive linebackers, Joey Bosa. 
Joey Bosa has a little brother, Nick Bosa, who went to the Super Bowl with the San Francisco 49ers as a rookie, who, of course, was the rookie defensive player of the year. Their father, John Bosa, played for the Miami Dolphins for three seasons till a knee injury knocked him out. But when you listen to the story, particularly when you hear their mother speak about that rivalry, they wanted to kill each other. And Joey Bosa was his big brother to Nick Bosa, three years older. Beat the crap out of him growing up. But it wasn't until high school where big brother Joey was a senior and little brother Nick was a freshman on the same high school team. And you'll hear their moms say that was when the switch was flipped. They no longer were at each other's throats. They now had to be on the same team, and it was a turning point in their relationship. All Nick Bosa wanted to do was be like his older brother. He went to Ohio State like his older brother, entered the NFL as the top draft picks, both of them. And you'll hear a beautiful soundbite from their proud father, John, of what it's like to be the dad of two of these elite NFL players. The turning point is what fascinates me when they had to play on the same team. And in my life in surgery, Dr. Wilson was Philip Wilson Jr., my teacher, because Senior was also the head orthopedic surgeon at HSS at the turn of the last century. But it's really Dr. Ranawat, the man who invented the knee replacement. He's got two sons, two terrific sons. Both became orthopedic surgeons. And when I go to the meetings, Dr. Ranawat with his bald head, one of his sons, Amir, with a bald head, is a photograph of the three of us. I felt like one of the sons because that's how I've always felt about him. And we'll get into the sibling rivalry, the strength and the weaknesses. Clap revision is going to be about Drew Brees. I think he's going to play tomorrow against the Kansas City Chiefs with 11 rib fractures. Can you imagine? Why is the rib fracture such a difficult injury to heal? What exactly does the rib cage do? Oh, this is a great clap revision. And it involves a cup of coffee on your countertop in your kitchen where there's a little spill of water. And if you put that coffee cup on that little spill of water on the countertop, you know how you could barely pick the cup up. You can't. You got to slide the cup to the end of the counter, and then you can pick up the coffee cup. It's called capillary action. When that layer of water between the coffee cup and the countertop is like the strongest glue ever made, you cannot lift it. Capillary action bonds the coffee cup to the countertop. Well, that same principle of that wet surface bonding exists between your lung and the inside of your rib cage. So when you go ahead, take a deep breath right now, deep breath. Your ribs, the muscles, the intercostal muscles, they expand the bird cage, the rib cage looks the same, except one's bone, the other's metal. But what allows the lungs to expand is there is a beautiful film of water, just like on the countertop between the inside of the rib cage and the lung that actually allows it like glue to pull the lungs and and get them to expand 
to take air in. When you break a rib, you bust that seal. It's like taking the coffee cup off the end of the countertop and the lung collapses. You don't need to do surgery for this. The lung will re-expand. But these bones have gone on to heal. Drew Brees, an, one of my favorite football players of all time, is going to play tomorrow against the Kansas City Chiefs. He only missed four games, can you imagine, with 11 rib fractures. He is tough. There's a clapper vision. We'll get into more clapper vision with your injuries, the weekend warrior injuries at 877-710-ESPN. We'll open the phones at 7.30. But let's get into today's show. And let's listen to what competition is like, sibling rivalry, when two brothers want to kill each other until there's a, a turning point. The switch gets flipped. What a great topic, sibling rivalry in a family. Let's go to Bosa, number one, Steve Paulette. I guess it was, you know, competitive. And if they were playing, it always ended up in, you know, some type of a, you know, scuffle or whatever. A lot of tussling and, and Joe's, Joe's a bit of a bully. He bullied his little brother until a certain age. Joey used to call him a mama's boy. And Nick used to look at him and go, yeah, that's right. I am. I'm a mama's <laughs> boy. <laughs> She's just the best mom you could ever ever ask for she's at every practice at every game just from day one she's been the best and i love her that was nick bosa you were listening to so now you're going to hear and when you hear the woman's voice that's the mom cheryl and you hear the older man's voice that's john the dad but listen to her talk about the turning point this is my favorite portion of the sound bites because this is what i'm after when it flips where the switch is flipped and that's kind of what Teo Alfaro's trying to do. He's trying to flip a switch. Uh, here you can hear what happens when the external world actually is responsible for, for flipping that switch. Number two. Joey was a senior in high school and Nick was a freshman. And they started on St. Thomas together. Which was the only year that they all ever played together because Nick became a starter as a freshman. And Joey, of course, was a senior and one of the best, you know, high school players in the country. And that was really a, kind of a difference maker year uh, where they finally played on the same team and won a state championship. It just was this turning point in their relationship where they went from, you know, Nick being the annoying little brother relationship to them being best friends. It was like night and day. It was like flipping a switch. And it was external. It was the high school experience of being on the same team. Now you're going to hear sound bites because they both went to Ohio State. Both left to go to the NFL after just a year. They're both probably the best in their business. But Larry Johnson is the defensive line coach at Ohio State. So he's coaching Joey Bosa. Well, the little brother still in high school, Nick Bosa, would come up and be with his brother. Well, Larry Johnson's listened to him talk about what it's like to deal with these two Bosa brothers. Let's go to number three. Well, I think both have great sense of humor. They're great people. You know, they're great to coach. They want to be great, and that makes my job much easier as a coach because the guys that are willing to come to work, they're like sponges, so they want everything you can get them to make them great. Number four. They're very similar in that way. They both really want to be great players, uh, and they want to achieve the highest level they can possibly go in the NFL. And the younger brother, Nick, is chasing that same dream on his own pace. He realized that he's, he's got a great older brother 
He wants to be better. Well, this is his driving force. From the day he walked in the, in the building, you know, he wanted to break every record that Joey had because that's what he was chasing. But there's a love there now between the two brothers. They may be competing, but there's a love that brings them together. Number five. That's sort of, you know, the way Nick knows he's following Joe. And now he's following Joe into the league. I think it's been nothing but positive. And Joe's been a wonderful big brother, you know, really teaching him from when Nick was in high school and Joe was teaching him, uh, you know, college type football moves. That's why Nick might have gotten a little bit more advanced at a younger age because he had Joe teaching him. Number six. That's where it started. So I go down and spend four or five hours a whole day with Nick, half a day, teaching him our skill set, <clears> teaching him pass rush, teaching him to flip his hip. That was the first time he got a piece of that. And then his high school coach came up and spent two days with me to take some things back to continue the process. So that's where it really started. And then when you come up, we were always have a chance to sit down and talk ball and show videotape and his skill set just trying to continue to enhance it. So he got it much earlier than Joey got it, the sense of what we do here and how we rush the passer. There may be sibling rivalry, but it's so beautiful to hear the nurturing that's going on between Joey Bosa and Nick Bosa. Number seven. Whenever we would come up here to see Joe, Nick would spend an hour in the D-line room with Coach Johnson, you know, watching tape, watching cut-ups of, of Joe's practices, with learning technique, talking about technique. And so now you have Nick, who's in high school, who's learning from the best D-line coach. So he's going to have a little bit of an advantage, and not to mention Joey continually, you know, updating him on things that they were doing. So Nick was getting some really good coaching early. And now listen to Nick Bosa talking. This is before he gets drafted by the San Francisco 49ers, number eight. He's got a different it about him. He really does. He's special. When you're chasing greatness, you chase it every day. You don't take a day off. And so he worked hard in the weight room. He worked hard in the classroom. And he worked hard in videotape. How can I get better, coach? I tell my young players all the time, you can tell the guys that want to be great because they do it different. They work harder than anybody else. They have a sense of purpose of what they're looking for. And they're willing to take any coaching you got if it's going to make them better. And that's what Nick did. I'm somebody who loves the game more than anybody. I'm going to come in and I'm going to work every day, every practice, trying to find new things to better myself. So if you, if you do draft me, then you'll have somebody who's going to improve throughout my entire career. So now they interview John Bosa, who played for the Miami Dolphins. And last year, the Super Bowl was in Miami, and Nick Bosa's playing. The father can't believe that his son, the rookie, Nick, the little guy, is playing in the Super Bowl. Oh, this is a great interview. Number nine. It's pretty cool. Sometimes I have to kind of pinch myself. It's just, it's amazing. My boys never saw me play. That was long, long after my career. But we went up into the alumni box, and, and really, their first... Uh, exposure to, to NFL football was sitting there watching the Dolphins. So it's a special place. Um, and then they've, they've played some high school games in that stadium. So it's, it's certainly a special home for us. The former Dolphins first round pick, John Bosa has seen both of his sons go through St. Thomas Aquinas High School as football stars, Ohio State, and then become first round picks themselves in the NFL. Nick with the 49ers, Joey playing for the Chargers. Number 10. Sometimes I, it's hard to believe that both my sons have made it through this, this path, and I'm just so thankful. He says he's never been the kind of dad who will sit there and constantly pressure or give his kids advice. He just wanted his sons to learn from experience and from good coaching. But he also wants to make sure that Nick doesn't take this week 
and experience for granted. I do want him. I, I know that the focus is there for the game, and, and that will never be a worry. I want him to at least, you know, enjoy a little bit, sit back and, and enjoy it a little, you know, because there is no guarantee you ever come back to this game. In number 11. Nick has made the most of his football career to start and of this week in South Florida. He's a defensive star, but he also knows that while his dad had his promising career cut short by injuries, his father's impact was huge on his football path. Growing up and having a dad who's so into just watching me and um, being a part of my career, uh, he's been awesome. He's been the best dad I could have ever asked for, so I love him. And here's my, this is the final soundbite. This is where the dad thinks his dream is to have both his sons, the Chargers, playing uh, San Francisco for, in the Super Bowl. So he gets to see both his sons. And then he says, actually, what am I thinking? Who am I going to root for in the Super Bowl? It's actually better if they go one at a time to the Super Bowl. Number 12. And now comes the ultimate chance for Nick and really for the entire Bosa family. But John has backed off a bit from his original dream of seeing both of his sons play in the same Super Bowl. I thought that would be a wonderful thing, but the more I thought about it. That's kind of, I mean, yeah, how like, do you pick a side? Exactly, you so actually, <laughs> they can take turns. They can take turns reaching. That was that was a stupid idea. Yeah, hopefully they, they each get multiple opportunities, <laughs> win one, but not against each other, because that's too tough on a dad. Exactly. Especially if you're already a wreck, can you yeah. imagine that? Yeah, no, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Thanks stuff. for straightening me out. Good stuff. <laughs> You got the dad and two boys. They're all six foot four, 270 pounds of solid muscle. That's three Marcellus Wileys in the same room. Oh my God. What that mom had to do for dinners and cook, you can imagine, they ate a whole cow every night practically. Damn. All right, coming up next, we're going to get into sibling rivalry. You just heard about the strengths, the turning point. Now you're going to hear the most incredible story in the world of art and music. Sly and the Family Stone. The music itself is inspiring. Steve Paulette's going to play a bunch of their songs, and it's just the greatest music ever written. We'll be hearing it coming up next on the Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook Know Your Knee Posts. One of the most complicated areas of the body. ACL, PCL, MCL, patella supplication. Really? Dr. Clapper translates the language of your knee on the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Simply type in Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Wow! Your knee feels better already. Damn right. Like, follow, and feel better Hello there. with the Weekend Warrior Facebook page page hey it's john ireland you know there is no better way to start your saturday than with the man who replaced michael thompson's hip dr clapper and the weekend warrior show seven to nine a.m saturday mornings what's going on la this is kobe bryant magandan umaga start your weekend off right listening to the weekend warrior show with dr clapper umi ihi bang paciente mo every saturday morning from seven to nine a.m on espn 710 home of your los angeles Lakers. If she comes back Well, we're far from the summer days. I was surfing this whole week because I can't operate because of COVID. The shutdown in the operating rooms. 
It's really something. Wear a mask. Stay away from everybody. We need this to blow over. So when the tough gets, when the going gets tough, the tough goes surfing. So I've been surfing all week. Oh my God. Wait till I tell you a few surfing stories. And I had the greatest breakfast burrito with chorizo that I've ever had in my life. After surfing in 50 degree water for two and a half hours this week, it was so delicious. Who knew you could put rice, beans, and egg, chorizo, cheese, wrap it all up, and everything melts and becomes one giant delicioso. Mm. After surfing in that freezing cold water, eating a warm burrito with everything melting, but the chorizo was so delicious. My mouth is watering already. I gotta tell you where my favorite breakfast burrito is in all of Los Angeles, because I had it this week. I'll tell you that a little bit later. The lines are lit up, hang on the line. I promise to get to you guys and we'll do Clapper Vision. But let's just continue with the sibling rivalry. The whole idea of Sly and the Family Stone. You gotta hear this story. He's just the greatest. Number one. One child grows up to be somebody that just loves to learn. And another child grows up to be somebody you just love to burn. It's a family affair. Sly was only four years old when he cut his first record, a gospel song he did with Reverend Sims. And even though he was very young, he remembers that experience. He thought he was going to be a preacher. Thank God he didn't. And thank God he blessed us with his musical talents in R&B and what's known as funk. He's one of the fathers of funk music. He blended everything together. Number two. I just remember the studio. And I remember... Uh... That I, you know, I, I remember at the time I like I, I just enjoyed singing in the choir, and I remember I was the the youngest in the area, and I remember I wanted to be a, a a preacher or something at the time. But Sly didn't become a preacher. Instead, he joined a group formed by his brother Freddie, the first of many family acts that Sly would be in. There it is, the older brother Freddie, the sibling rivalry. Strength and weakness. Doesn't he sound like Lou Rawls? Half of you don't even know who Lou Rawls is, but trust me, I didn't know anybody had a deeper voice than Lou Rawls. Number three. When I look back on it, I realized I was writing blues, but I had a rock and roll attitude. So sometimes it worked, and most of the times it didn't. By this time, Sly's family had moved to California, and one of Sly's first paying jobs was as a DJ on an Oakland, California radio station. Unbelievable. Oh, wait till you hear this. Number four. Began to get jobs as a studio producer. Why well, had a band to get the Cow Palace? Well, every time shows came to the Cow Palace, as they do at the Forum or wherever, at that time, there were big bands that uh, took care of all the music. Sonny and Cher came, or somebody came. My band would, you know, handle all their music. And then Tom Donahue gave me a chance to produce a, 
Actually, I was making $35 a week. I mean, I had to produce or steal or beg or borrow. Uh, there was a group called the Bo Brummels, and they had a song called Laugh, Laugh, and then that one. I produced them. Bo Brummel. These are guys trying to sound like the Beatles, but they're a bunch of guys from San Francisco. They're American. So they picked Bo Brummel, who was a fashionista from England, legendary, as their name. And I tell you, I always thought they were British. Who knew Sly Stone made their first record for them? Oh, my God. Number five. I hate to say it, but I told you so. Don't mind my preaching to you. This is them. I said, don't trust them, baby. Now you know you don't learn everything there is to know it's true. Wouldn't believe me when I gave it back. I said that he was a thief. If you won't help me, better ask me now. That's from 1964. He's like 17 years old producing. He could do anything he wanted, but I'm not so sure the rest of the family appreciated that. The sibling rivalry started to take place. Number eight. And when I look back on it, I became a producer. Uh, no, I don't like the way that sounds in order to survive. Because I could get a job. I could, I could be on the radio. Just, you know, to live, that's what I mean, not to survive, to live. I liked that life, producing. This next soundbite, listen to how he had to include his siblings, because that's what his dad would insist upon. You're the prodigy, Sly, but you better bring the family into your music. You got to take care of them. And that is a huge burden. Number seven. Jerry Martini is the guy that really started it. This guy, he plays play saxophone in the group now. And he came to the radio station and decided that, uh, Sly, you ought to be the leader of this group. And I was doing fine at the radio station, I thought. So we started looking around for uh, everybody other than my sisters and my brother, because they were automatically in if I was in, because Daddy said so. Because Daddy said so. Sibling rivalry's great. There's strength in it. When you watch that Bee Gees movie on HBO, which I highly recommend, the same thing happens. It just starts to disintegrate. In the case of the Bosa brothers, they fortunately got to play on the same team and the nurturing began. But here there was the nurturing disintegrated. These next four sound bites, you'll appreciate the weakness of the sibling rivalry. Number eight. Sly Stone was in the top of the music scene for 10 years. He had eight gold records, toured the world several times, caused mob scenes wherever he went, sold out concerts, and packed Madison Square Garden for his wedding. During his reign at the top, Sly's genius influenced many musicians and produced hundreds of songs, including hits like Stand, I Want to Take You Higher, Hot Fun in the Summertime, Everyday People, and more. But for the past few years, amid speculation and rumors about his private life and non-appearances for his concerts, Sly has become less than a household word. What happened? This is uh, an interview from 1976. She's asking what happened. Number nine. Some people have asked, whatever happened to Sly Stone? 
Well, whatever happened to Sly Stone? I would say the same thing if I heard and saw a person a lot on the radio and saw them on television a lot, and then I didn't see them all of a sudden. If you know somebody that I liked, and I think that is the basic reason because it's nice to be missed, and and uh, makes you feel like you're on the right track. If somebody says, "Well, where's Sly?" I've been relaxing. You mean you've sort of been on a break? Yes. Self-imposed? Yes. The pressure of it all from the siblings, from everybody, is just too much. Number 10. Being a superstar, is there a certain kind of pressure that goes along with it? The only way it crosses my mind is because I want to do it right, you know. That's all. So the only bother is the bother or that I put on myself, you know, to make sure I must do this, I must do this, I must, I must, you know, I surely need that also. Do you like being a superstar? Well, I like being who I am. The whole idea of family was incredibly important to Sly and the family stone. But till Sly Stewart or Sly Stone, he changed his name. But it's amazing to me that the 1993 Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Sly and the Family Stone is inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. There's Freddie, his brother, saying this is the greatest day of his life. Guess who's not there? Sly. He's not with the family at the Hall of Fame. Number 11. You were one of the first black musicians to have a wide range of audience. A lot of white people followed your music and bought your music. Why do you suppose your music did that? I think it has to do with, uh, with uh, songs that involve everybody and a message that involves everybody. Everybody wants to be happy in uh, the songs that we do or songs that I, I feel should make everybody happy. You know, and I think that's basically it. You want to make people feel good with your music? Yes. So you have up music, would you say? I'd say so. He wants to make everybody feel good except himself. It's so wrong. Robin Williams making everybody laugh, except he can't make himself laugh. It's just so wrong. But I'll spend the rest of my life trying to figure it all out, that's for sure. The great stories of Sly and the Family Stone, sibling rivalries that go right, then wrong. The Bosa brothers in sports starts out as a fierce rivalry but then becomes nurturing. I just love it. The whole idea of using that relationship as therapy. At 8.15, my guest, Teo Alfaro, believe it or not, running a wolf pack to maybe inspire human beings to see how the wolves behave. It's an amazing idea. We'll get into it at 8.15. Right now, I'm going to open the clinic. 
We'll do some clapping vision. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show every Saturday morning here on 710 ESPN. End of the spring and here she comes back. Hi, 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 hi there. Them summer days, oh summer days. Yes, Mark, just what are you getting at? Check out the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Like this. Medical advice from Cedar Sinai, head of orthopedic surgery. Are you kidding? With a far rockaway attitude and a little drizzle of mozzarella. Well, it's important to me. Search Weekend Warrior in the space bar. Like this. And click on Doc's picture. I see. Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. You're listening to the Weekend Warrior Show, presented by Cedar Sinai. What's going on, LA? This is Kobe Bryant. With tinted windows. Can you imagine? Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. While I'm in Italy. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. That's Sly and the Family Stone. One of the greatest to ever do it. We're talking about sibling rivalry today. Let's open the phones, start the clinic, do some clap revision. Let's go to Rich from Rancho Cucamonga. Rich, thanks so much for calling in. Hey, Dr. Clapper. I'm a big fan of the show. And especially you. your clap revision when it comes to, uh, to carpentry and... <laughs> Oh, man, I, one of the greatest shows I did in these past 10 years of doing this show was having Steve Richmond from the Milwaukee Tool Company, the boss, as my guest, because carpentry, the greatest moment in my early years was the day my dad brought home a Milwaukee Sawzall, and he realized he didn't have to take a pencil from behind his ear and use a hammer and a chisel to cut out the two by four stud when they really were two inches by four inches and they were made of wood to put the outlet box in. I had no idea what he was talking about. He said, Robbie, my world is forever going to be great because of this Milwaukee Sawzall because now I can do it and zip, zip in two seconds. And he couldn't even afford to buy a new one. He bought a used, rusty old one used at the, at the uh, lumber yard. And you know, Rich, I still have that red, Rusty nah. box, the, that Milwaukee soul friend's got to be from the mid '60s, and it was used when he bought it. So you, I love talking about the life of carpenters because I'm so proud to be the son of a carpenter. Yeah, maybe I'm a big shot surgeon now, but I'm still the son of a carpenter, and I always will be. Thank you for reminding me to think about my dad. God bless you. How young are you, and what do you do for a living? I am 61 years old, and I've been a carpenter for life, as is as gave my dad. Um, wow. I'm an operations manager for a cabinet shop that he bought back in 1972, and we uh, do a lot of work at, at Cedar Sinai. Almost every almost a lot of the cabinets there, we've been doing uh, cabinets for Cedar Sinai for 30 years. Well, you got to do me a favor. I work at the pavilion, which everything's shut down now because of the COVID, uh, which is why I can go surfing as much as I can. But I got such a backlog of cases to do. But please come by and shake my hand. And I want to shake your hand 
I'm there on Wednesdays and Fridays uh, in, the, in the pavilion on the fourth floor. I would love to meet you and shake your hand one day. Oh, absolutely. I'm out there Make all sure the you time. do that. Make sure you do <laughs> that. All right, how can I help you? What you do to yourself? Well, of course, it was I was doing a pergola in my backyard, and <laughs> I was picking up um, six-by-six, ten-foot-long poles by myself, Oh and I heard, I started getting pain in my shoulder, mm-hmm. and so I stopped doing that and and uh, let it rest for a week, and then I decided that it was okay, so I decided to go out and saw some uh, palm trees, branches off my 20-foot tall palm tree, and <laughs> all of a sudden it, it, it got really sore, so I stopped. And then the next day, it like I couldn't even move it. Um, so I went to emergency, got an X-ray. They basically said you're old. Um, <laughs> so then I called, my, yeah, I called my doctor and and said, hey, I I need to get an MRI on this. And so they ordered a stat MRI on a Friday. I went in four o'clock on a Friday when I called them that same day, and then following week it was uh i could barely move it and and without pain mm-hmm. and then um so i got the mri done and then uh the following wednesday i got the the orthopedic um doctor to look at it and basically i mean i have the impression if you want me to read that i would love that go ahead and read it slow so i can translate it with clapper vision Okay, I'll hopefully I pronounce all the words right, but moderate to severe tendonitis mm-hmm. of the sub of the Right, tendon. so subscapularis, that's the tendon that allows you to shake my hand and then and then take that same hand. You shook my hand and now you're gonna rotate your arm to touch your belly button. That is called internal rotation. The muscle that lets you touch your belly button from shaking my hand that rotation inward, that's the subscapularis tendon. That's the fourth muscle that makes up your rotator cuff muscle. Um, tendinosis is not a big deal. That is father time. You're not having surgery for that. Keep going. Uh, one thing I wanted to add is that when, when I was at the um, at the uh, orthopedist doctor, just before I left, they said, uh, we want to, we want to, uh, We'll get you a crotazone shot, and I, I I stopped them in their tracks and said, no, no, I I got to talk to Doctor Clapp before I do something like that. <laughs> you ain't having a cortisone shot. <laughs> With my- I love it. I've made all these. I feel like uh, Jesus and all the little disciples are out there telling everybody not to have the cortisone shot. God bless you. I love it. All right, keep uh, going. Okay, with moderate degree, inter. In show inner interstitial, yes, partial thickness tear of the that's a good thing. Partial thickness means part of it is still okay. Everybody focuses on the partial thickness tear, but you don't, you know, it's like the the glass is half full or half empty. Your glass is half full, you still have part of it that's still just fine. Partial thickness tears, you ain't having surgery so fast. Go ahead, okay. It says inferior fibers near the footprint. Right. So here's a clap revision. Um, your arm bone, your humerus bone, 
is uh, is a boat. The to tie the boat to the dock, you need a rope. The the rope is tied and attached to the boat, but you throw it to the wooden dock so that you know it doesn't float away. That metal cleat that's on the dock that you tie the rope from the boat to, that is the footprint. So the footprint is the metal cleat on the dock. Are the bolts loose or is actually the cleat pulled off of the dock? If the, if the cleat pulls off the dock, guess what? You can have all the rope you want, the boat's gonna float away. So keeping the tendon attached to the bone is the cleat, that's the footprint. So read that sentence again. Uh, it says footprint with question small ab evolution. Evolution, of yes. So that's yeah. what happened with the with the poles in your backyard. This is an acute injury where you acutely rip the cleat and loosen the cleat from the dot. You loosen the tendon and it's anchoring to the bone itself. That's why you're in so much pain. So can you imagine? If you let them give you cortisone while you have this acute injury where you're pulling the tendon off the bone and now they poison the water with cortisone, you're never going to heal it. You know, you're disrupting the natural healing uh, features that your body wants. So thank God you didn't have a cortisone shot. I love it. All right, go ahead. Uh, evolution fragment of the, of the lesser tuberosity. Of the lesser tuberosity. So that's the subscapularis tendon. That's fine. That'll go on to heal. Go ahead. Okay, this next statement, I'm not really sure what it means, so it would really help. Um, it says, if clinically warranted, recommend CT of, sh of the shoulder to better assess for any uh, osseous injury. Yeah. That's, that's not necessary. You can see this on the MRI. All right, I want you to do me a favor, Rich. You win the prize. Uh, I think the number one person I love to take care of is a nurse. The movie stars and the basketball players and the football players, they're fun to take care of. But the number one person I love taking care of is a nurse, followed closely by a carpenter or someone who's working in construction. Uh, not that I don't love everybody, but it, it really makes a warm place in my heart. My mom was a nurse, my dad was a carpenter. So you're going to call my office on Monday, and they're going to tell you you can't come for three months. You call and you tell them you spoke to me on the Weekend Warrior show. And Dr. Clapper said it's okay for you to come this week if you want to come see me. Uh, that's up to you. It'll be my pleasure to help you out, young man. Oh, absolutely. All right. That can't wait awesome. to meet you in Thanks. person. And I will All see right. you then. You okay, young man. And bring, uh, bring a chocolate babka. That way you don't have to have a copay. A chocolate babka? You don't know what a chocolate babka is? Oh my God! I'm just I haven't kidding. heard you talk about that. It's the most. Um, you like chocolate, Rich? Uh, I'm not a real sweet guy, but I do like. Okay. You know. Well, you need German to learn what a chocolate babka is. Where do you live? Ranch Cucamonga. So I'm sure there's no chocolate babka in Rancho Cucamonga. You're gonna have to drive to the delicious bakery in Reseda, or maybe Bee's Bakery in uh, the Valley. But uh, you need to experience, I may get you and convert you to a chocoholic by the time I'm done with you. Can't wait to meet you. You call the office. I look forward to helping you. And Rich, you there? Yeah. Listen, you're a total stranger to me right now. I want you to find a total stranger today.
you do something nice for them. That's how you be thanking me. Absolutely. Thank you very right. much. You're welcome. God bless you. Can't wait to meet you. All right, Warriors, we'll take a break. We'll pay some bills. Steve Paulette, you'll tell me who you want me to talk to next. We'll keep the clinic open. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening every Saturday. Boy, do I love it. The Weekend Warriors Show here on 710 ESPN. Weekend Warriors on Facebook. Didn't you get the memo? Quickly hear Clapper's crazy kitchen stories. Easily find different callers' aches and pain issues. Right, I get it. Search Weekend Warrior in the search bar and click on Doc's picture. Who are you again? Voila! Like, follow, and enjoy the Weekend Warrior Facebook page. Hey, it's Sedano. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday than when my guy, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m., Saturday mornings. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. Dr. Clapper says, measure twice, cut once. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Il Dr. Clapper dice, misura due volte, taglia una sola volta. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Now I feel like I'm at a bar mitzvah. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Having so much fun every Saturday morning with you. And thanks for telling your friends and being part of the great congregation that is the Weekend Warrior Nation. Let's go to Norm in Pacific Palisades. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? Good morning, Dr. Clapper. And I just want to let you know from all of us what how, what how greatly we appreciate your helping us. Oh, thank you for saying that, Norm. That's the reason I get up every morning. I just cherish the fact that God's given me this ability to uh, take care of patients. Um, I'm the perfect combination of a nurse and a carpenter. I became an orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> okay. What do you uh, do for what, a living, what, Norm? Well, I'm retired, actually. What did you do? Well, I was I was in science and engineering. I was I worked a lot with uh, 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 worked a lot with the reduction of emissions from jet engines. So wow. uh, I worked with the Navy actually. And did you ever uh, meet Howard Hughes? Uh, no, I did not. Okay. <laughs> he was before my time. Okay, how young are you? I'm 84. Oh my God! God bless you. Hey, you got to teach me. Forget about me teaching you. Go ahead. What's okay. ha- what hurts? How can I help you? Uh, it's it's my spine. I've had you know pain pain in my spine for a number of years, but it's it's gotten worse. And I've I've I went to my my general doctor, mm-hmm. and she, and uh, she says that I I have a, the analysis here, but she's but uh, she said for the pain she says I have two choices: either get an epidural, no, injection or or surgery, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so, but I'm, I'm, I'm really trying to see if there's some, some other route that I can go. There is. There is. Don't let them stick the epidural in, and you and I are going to do our best to avoid surgery. Is it your lower back, your mid-back, or your neck? It's my lower back. Let me just read the, the impression here. Progressive, Got it. Severe, severe L4, L5, and L5-S1 degenerative disc disease. Mm-hmm. No so, it's not a, so, Norm... It's not a disease. It's arthritis. It's alta You're 84 years old. 
You know, the, the tires on your car, if your car is 84 years old, trust me, the tires on your car are going to get bald. You know what I mean? If they the original tires. Each of us as human beings take a million steps a year. Can you imagine? Norm, you've taken 80 million steps in your lifetime. Can you imagine? How could the disc not wear out? How could the bones not create bone spurs? How could you not get stenosis in your spine? But the saving grace is if you can strengthen the shock absorbers that surround those degenerative discs, then every step you take, you put less stress through those joints. What is the best way holistically to strengthen the muscles without aggravating the joint while you're doing it? In my opinion, 84 years old, the pool. Norm, you got to get in the water. And even though the pandemic is going on, Linda Yui, who I wrote these books with, Heal Your Hips, Heal Your Knees, she is an expert in pool exercises. And they take Medicare and they have social distancing. It's called Complete PT. And they're in Culver City. You need to get referred there. You get that lovely doctor of yours who told you you only had two choices to know that there's a third choice. It's a holistic, non-surgical, non-pill-taking, not shot-taking uh, way to treat you. And that is to get you in the pool. You do that, Norma. And I promise, not in a week or two, you're going to start to feel better than you do right now. Okay? Okay. Uh, I, I will try and do I mean, there, pools are hard to find now. I just told uh, you. She's on Motor and National in Culver City. You, Motor you tell and your doctor okay. that's where you want to go. It's called Complete PT. You get there. They have social distancing. They, they wear masks. You need to get in the water. It will change your life, Norm, for the better, I promise. Okay. Now, is there any reason for me to see a spine doctor? Yeah. I mean, you listen, number one, you want to make sure you're not dealing with cancer. You want to make sure you're not dealing with fractures. You want to make sure you're not dealing with something that is horrific. So seeing a spine person is fine. Education, you would tell everybody, empowers you. That's what you did your whole life. You educated people about exhausts and jet engines and fumes. You're an educator. You're a teacher. Going to a spine person to learn more about the nuances of your spine. As we say in Yiddish, gig is into hey, go right ahead. Norm, go do that. Learn. That's fine. But don't let them operate on you just yet. And don't let them mask the problem with an epidural shot. That ain't going to solve the problem. Don't give me Robitussin for my cough, Norm, if I'm coughing because I got pneumonia. I need antibiotics to stop coughing, not Robitussin. Capiche? Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, now, Norm, I, I guess what, I, you're a total stranger to me. You're going to thank me by finding a total stranger today. Do something nice for them. That's how the world's a better place. Thank you so much, Dr. Clapper. All right. You're very welcome, Norm. And you can check back with me once you meet the spine person. Once you get in the pool, give it a month. It's not going to happen in a week or two. You're going to feel better. If you don't, please check back with me. But I know you will, Norm. Have a great day today, and God bless you. All right, Warriors. I think I don't have enough time, Steve Paulette, to take another call right now, right? Okay, so can I tell a quick story? All right, so I go, the reason the show is, I can't wait to hear it. I can't wait till Adam tells me what it sounds like this morning. But I got a new iPhone. I got earbuds. I'm completely wireless. It's just fantastic. But uh, this all happened because this week, 
my phone started to die and I had to get a new one. So I went to the Verizon store. Then I went to the Apple store. And in visiting these places, I go to get my car in the parking lot. And there's a picture of this on Twitter. You need to follow me on Twitter, at Dr. Robert Clapper. There's a baby duckling by my driver's door in a parking lot. And I'm looking at this baby duck who keeps opening his beak and closing it because he's afraid of me because I'm a big human being and he's going to bite me to keep me away from him. But this poor little thing is lost and he's scared and he's trying to get underneath my car. And I'm saying to myself, this duck is going to die if I don't do something for it. So what am I, what do you do when there's a baby duck by the rear wheel of your rear wheel of your car? So I looked for a box. So I looked at the corner of this parking lot. They must have a restaurant in this mini mall. And uh, there's an old cardboard box that they used for vegetables. I take the box out of the garbage bin. I go back to my car. I take a ski cap I have so I don't get bit because I've been bit by chickens and ducks. And I scoop them into my this vegetable box. I put it in a passenger seat of my car. I put the Verizon store bag on top of it. And this little duckling's trying to poke his beak out of the box. And I drive a quarter of a mile to where I know there's a duck pond. I don't know how he cannot possibly have flown to this parking lot. I don't know how he got there. So I parked the car and lucky enough, because all the parks are closed, the gate was open. I'm from New York. I don't care if the gate's open. I'm going in. I parked my car. I take the duck out of the my car in the box and I go to the duck pond. Well, here I am, a human being with a big vegetable box. 150 of these ducks think I'm coming to feed them. So the whole duck community comes quacking over to me and I put the box down I turn it over and the little duckling pops out of the box and I said to myself I don't know if they're going to accept him or not but this is his best chance of surviving I'm leaving and I left and you can see the sequence of the duck save on Twitter at Dr. Robert Clapper but you know what when I tell you to find a total stranger do something nice to them you can do it in the animal world as well find a baby duck do something nice for him. <laughs> Don't be a quack up. <laughs> All right, Warriors, coming up next, I'm going to tell some stories. We're going to learn a little bit about sibling rivalry, its strength and its weaknesses in sports, in art, and in surgery. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warriors show here on 710 ESPN.